This is Shop Talk, a segment of the show where Jess and I discuss some of the more nuanced and finer details within the world of games and brewed beverages. There are a lot of cogs and gears that turn within both these great passions, and we cover them here on Shop Talk. Today's topic revolves around the crowdfunding site Kickstarter. For the last 10 years at least, this has been a great way for indie and up-and-coming game designers to bring us many good to amazing games we otherwise would have never seen. Now, on the slight chance you didn't know, here's how it works. A game designer brings their idea to the website. There is a certain dollar amount and funding that he needs to get his game off the ground. If you like the idea, you contribute to the goal. How much is up to you, but there is a minimum contribution needed to receive a basic copy of the game. Typically though, the more you pledge, the more stuff you get. If the goal is reached or surpassed, production begins and your copy is delivered to your front door once it's done. The ability for these designers to bypass major publishers and bring their games directly to their audiences has no doubt contributed to the explosion of popularity that board games have seen in the last decade or so. But has it all been good, and is it possibly becoming a problem? What has this done to the world of board games? Is Kickstarter still a valuable avenue for the hobby, or has it turned into a chaotic mutation of how the relationship between producer and consumer is supposed to work? We talk about that here today in Shop Talk. So Jess, looking at our game wall, I can see at least 12 games that we have backed on Kickstarter. I can see at least 10 or 20 more that started out as Kickstarter games before they got picked up by a bigger publisher or distributor or whatever. Let me ask you a question. Kickstarter, net positive or net negative? That's kind of a difficult question to answer, and that's why we're here on this segment, right? Like, on the one hand, the concept of Kickstarter is really admirable, but in practice, is it working the way that it should? I think it's definitely evolved into something strange. On one hand, you do have independent game designers able to bring an idea to the table. They deal directly with the person they're selling the game to, and they go, here's my idea, and they bring it forth, and if you like it, you can back it. On the other hand, it's created this weird environment where you as a consumer, you as the purchaser, start to assume a lot of the risks because there are risks when you buy a Kickstarter game. When you buy something from the store and you take it home and it's not as advertised or not what you expected it to be, you take it back and you get a refund. On Kickstarter, if you don't like what you got, you're out of luck. True. And there's a lot more in that realm of risk you're taking too. I mean, the designer could just not make the game. There are stories out there where people basically take the money and run. Exactly. Another thing that sucks is you pay this money on Kickstarter. And I mean, the price isn't the point. It's worth what it's worth, right? You know, they're putting their time, their effort, but you get it and you assume this risk and you do all of this stuff because it's only available on Kickstarter. Yeah, what you're talking about is a, um, I don't know if I'd call it a syndrome, but it's definitely an anxiety-based feeling. You're talking about the fear of missing out. And Kickstarter, the way it's designed, or at least the way it's designed now, definitely has become a breathing ground of that feeling, that fear of missing something. Because if I don't back the game right now, as you said, I'm never going to get a copy of it, so I better back it. It's a real anxiety that people have in this hobby where they're just like, oh, I got to buy it right now, right now, right now. Oh, yeah. And and the thing is, if you were just buying your game in a retail store, 
they would never package all those things together, right? Because you'd see this $120 bundle and think, oh, that's that's a whole lot. I don't even know anything about this game, right? So it, what they do is they give you the base game. Let's say it's, I don't know, 60 bucks and you look at it and you're like, yeah, I'll pay 60 bucks to give that a shot. And if it's good and I like it, then I'll get the upgrades. But Kickstarter, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. In fact, you can't play test the game. You can't check the game out. You don't know how the mechanics really work. You're just going off of a bunch of pictures and text, maybe a short video, but you have no idea if this game's going to work or not. Yeah, that's the thing, I guess, when I said earlier, like, oh, you might not like it. I'm not being entitled. Like, if the game doesn't work, you can't play it. And that's actually happened to us before. The rules that came with the game were missing so much context that we could not figure out how to play it. And you could tell the game wasn't playtested very well at all. And there could be a million different reasons why that was, but that goes back to that thing as you as the consumer are taking massive amounts of risk that you normally wouldn't. And these games cost a lot of money. You can blame that on the world's response to COVID-19, clogging up the shipping lanes, materials, what have you. But a part of me thinks that fear of missing out is being taken advantage of, right? You dangle the carrot for the extras and people are willing to pay more for those extras. I mean, eventually that fear of missing out is going to kick into that base game. And now what you used to charge $60, I mean, they don't want to miss out. Now I can charge 85 and it creates this kind of artificially inflated market for board games, which are already pretty costly as it is. Yeah, you got to wonder if people would pay the same prices in a retail store or at the same quantities that they do on Kickstarter. Right. I think there's an excitement to it because it's an exclusive thing, right? I'm helping this designer get the game together and I'm helping it, you know, move along and I'm going to have a copy of it. And that guy over there is not going to have a copy of it. You, you could definitely take advantage of that. And the thing is, you're framing it for your customers, like their investors, right? That's the whole concept of Kickstarter is that you're investing in something, but you're not really contributing in any sort of real way. You don't get to have any say in what comes out of it. The other thing, because I, I pulled this question on Facebook a couple of days ago, and a lot of people's problem with it some have a problem with everything we just said, but I think people's big concern and big problem with Kickstarter now is that big, well-established game companies, designers, publishers, distributors, all of them, they're using Kickstarter not so much as a, hey, let's get this off the ground, but as a pre-release website. They've taken the platform and made it pre-release. The game's getting made one way or the other. But if you spend a little more, we'll give you this promo pack. You know, that fear of missing out thing. Mm -hmm. And when a designer does it, who's trying to you know be up and coming, I think they look at it from the perspective of like, all right, this guy's trying to entice people to buy his project so that he can get his foot in the door and become a you know big name game designer. But when a group like, I can never pronounce it, come on, C-mon, C-M-O-N, like cool mini or not, that's how it's pronounced. When cool mini or not, comes out and goes, hey, we have another big miniature game. The game's getting made. They have the money for it already. They just want to see how much more they can get in the pre-order. And I think that turns a lot of people off. And it's kind of weird because if you think about it as a business owner, 
why would you not take advantage of that, right? Like you float your idea to the market, see how many people like it before you decide how many copies you're gonna make. It, it reduces their risk a little bit, but it kind of like screws everything up for everybody else. But even more than that, it's, it's just the principle of it. And maybe it really doesn't actually hurt anybody, but it's like, I don't know. It's like Jeff Bezos being on welfare, you know? <laughs> you don't need the help. And we worked hard to earn this money and we're assuming a lot of risk for you. You can afford to assume the risk yourself. But with all that said, net positive or net negative? Oh, I still don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of complaints. I'm a complainer, but <laughs> probably all in all, I'd have to say positive. I would agree. I think despite all of that, I think it's been nothing but good for board gaming generally, for people who play them, for people who make them. I think the ability to take your idea that any other publisher would have turned down, to take that same idea and bring it to the consumer directly, and then to turn that game into something massive, which has happened plenty on Kickstarter. The world of board gaming is better with it. The great thing about all those problems, uh, minus the fact that you might not get your game, is you don't have to back the games you don't want to back. It's too expensive, you don't have to. If you don't like who's making it, you don't have to back it. You can say, fuck all the pre-order stuff, don't want to do that, I'm just going to go for the small independent guys who are trying to make a name for themselves. The power in Kickstarter is still in the hands of the people who are buying the games. With that said, how could it not be a net positive? And truth be told, there are many things that we don't like about it or don't love about it, but it's obviously working because... There are so many people using the platform and obviously the game designers are using it. Even the big publishers are using it. And that's kind of the great thing about capitalism in America, right? Money talks. And if people really didn't like it, they just wouldn't back it. And then people would see that that stuff's not getting backed and they would change to something that would. I did hear something interesting that Kickstarter was working on. Do you know Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia? Mm-hmm. So they're thinking about taking the games that are being kickstarted and putting them on, or at least a demo of them, on Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator so that people who are considering backing it can actually go online and play a few rounds of whatever it is they might want to purchase. I think that is an excellent idea. I would definitely feel a lot more comfortable backing a Kickstarter project if I could even play test a simulation before deciding to back it. I think moving the games to Tabletop Simulator is going to be huge because then it doesn't matter what the cost is. I've played it. I either like it or I don't. And I think consumers are going to go in with a lot more information. I think that's really going to help big time. I agree. I think it's going to be great. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So there you have it. Talking a little shop about Kickstarter and how it has influenced the world of board games and what we think it'll continue to do in the future forum. If you want to chime in on this conversation, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Go ahead and hit us up at boardgamesandbrews at outlook.com. 